Well, welcome to the More Than A Game podcast. My name is Dan Walls and it's great to have you here with us, listening or watching, whatever you may be doing. Uh, thank you for your support. First and foremost, it's great to have you along and hopefully enjoy today's episode. And uh, on today's episode, we've got a guy who I personally have a lot of respect for. Um, he's played in the NBL. He's played all around the world. Um, he's also played college basketball in the States. And uh, it's an honor to have on the podcast today, uh, Jeremy Kendall. Jeremy, welcome to the More Than A Game podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Dan. No worries, mate. Let's chat about the injury, first of all, because um, you've had a bit of a, I guess, uh, yeah, period of uh, rehabilitation. Um, did an ACL injury on your knee. Um, so how's the knee holding up at the moment and where, you're at, where are you at in terms of recovery? Yeah, it's great. You know, I've, um, it's about I think nearly 14 months now since surgery. Um, so, yeah, I'm playing. I'm healthy. I'm fit. Um, strong, you know. Um, physio's really happy. Uh, surgeon's very happy. So uh, we're, we're heading in the right direction. Um, and I'm really enjoying, uh, you know, the challenge, both mentally, emotionally, and physically. Yeah, sure. Um, of the whole rehab, you know, I think for me, it's more, uh, I looked at it as training in the presence of an injury mm. instead of rehab, you know, rehab. Mm. And that's kind of been my take on it. And I've added things to my game and learned from being able to observe and, you know, take more uh, a coach's role um, mm. and train a lot of players. So I've, I've been a sponge this past, you know, 13, 14 months. That's good. Um, and it's, it's been an awesome journey. It's been very challenging and frustrating at times. But, um, you know, we're really happy with where I'm at at the moment. It's great to hear, mate. Good to hear. It's on the um, coming back again. But uh, let's go back to where it all started for you. Um, hopefully you get back playing again as soon as possible. Um, I, I, for one, hope you are. But um, you've had a great career so far, an unlucky career, one might say, in terms of injuries. But uh, we'll come to that. Um, how did you start playing the sport of basketball? And um, yeah, how did it all come about for you? Yeah, for me, uh, my dad put the ball in my hands at a very young age, uh, probably five or six. Um, and being from Jeffersonville, Indiana, basketball is um, extremely uh, you know, popular. And everybody plays. Everybody's got a ball. Everybody's got a, a hoop in their backyard or in their driveway or at least a friend who does. And if that's not the case, then there's definitely a park, you know, around the yeah, corner yeah. somewhere. Sure. Um, so it's uh, it's a part of the culture. Um, I went to, you know, my dad coached me all through my youth days, all the way up to about high school. I went to Jeffersonville High School, which is a very uh, historic um, high school in Indiana for mm. a basketball culture. Um, and you know, that's, that was kind of, uh, it was kind of just ingrained in me from a young age, uh, played all, other sports as well, baseball, football. However, basketball was just, um, just so popular. And so it was so well respected, you know, um, growing up, if you played ball and you were good at it. So yeah. it kind of just turned into a passion that I couldn't really resist, you know? Absolutely. Mate. Well, we're a similar age, I think. 31, you're 31, aren't you? Or 30. 32. 32. 32, you're older. There you go. So we would have grown up around the same time. Um, 
looking after looking up to different people, no doubt. So for me growing up and for people my age, it would have been Andrew Gazer, Shane Hill, guys I know you've had association with since you've come out here. But um, back in the States for you, who were the influences in your life apart from your dad? Who were the ones that you looked up to the most and tried to model your game on? Man, um, you know, as far as famous players, uh, Michael Jordan was my favorite, of course. He's 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 MJ, you know. So, uh, <laughs> growing up in the, you know, born in '88, growing up in the '90s, being able to see his last shot, being able mm. to watch those championships. Mm. That's when I first kind of, uh, you know, started watching NBA basketball. It was yeah. Penny Hardaway yeah. um, and Michael Jordan. Of course. Um, you know, Mike was the best, and Penny had the commercials with Little Penny, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know he was playing alongside Shaq, and they were like the the dominant duo, you know, for a few years there. And mm. um, but even even uh, to take it back a bit further, for me personally, uh, you know, I loved Pistol Pete Maravich. Yeah, yeah. My um, great pasta. Yeah, so pasta. my yeah, my dad, uh, you know, he gave me all the pistol Pete ball handling drills and I used to just just do them every single day and I uh, had all the DVDs and all that sort of stuff so I did. um you know he he is up there with with MJ and Penny Hardaway as well mm. um and then guys like Jason Kidd you know Steve Nash mm. you know Jason Williams white chocolate yeah yeah um there's plenty of them out there um and also for me too um, you know, I had tremendous coaching, you know, looking back, you know, my, my fifth grade coach, mm. like we're talking fifth grade, whatever age that is, that's like age 10. Mm. I had Robbie Valentine, who was a, was a college national champion at Louisville university. Mm. And, um, he was my fifth grade coach. And then mm. my sixth grade coach was another, uh, division two national champion for Southern Indiana, yeah. Chad Gilbert. Well, yeah. So these were they were kind of just starting their coaching careers, you know, and yeah. and then to even go even further, you know, my high school coach, my senior year, Jimmy Jess and his staff was tremendous for me. And then uh, Scott Davenport, my coach at Bellarmine, hmm. um, who's 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 going to be in the Basketball Hall of Fame, I believe. Oh, yeah. uh, eventually, um, you know, led us to a national championship in 2010-11, coached under Rick Pitino and Denny Crum at Louisville made his way to Bellarmine and Bellarmine now is going division one next year. Wow. So um, I've had tremendous coaching and I think that's another reason why um, I'm so uh, fortunate and I'm where I'm at. Yeah, for sure, mate. It's, it's so important as a young guy. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned good coaching. What for you makes a good coach? What's the, yeah, the um, ingredients that a good coach, coach needs at junior level or even now professionally? Um, is there a difference between the two um, or yeah, what, in, what generally what makes a good coach? Yeah. Well, I think um, number one, um, you got to know the game, you know, you, you have to, there's a right way and a wrong way to play it. Mm. Um, and, you, and you have to be able to teach it. You know, I think mm. nowadays um, it's, uh, you know, teaching is a gift. And I think that's a big reason why so many great coaches come through the States is because up until a certain year, and I know certain States, it's still this way, but you were required to be a teacher if you wanted to be a high school head coach. So you had to learn how to teach. Um, and then that translates to how you teach basketball, you know? So mm -hmm. 
being able to layer things out, understanding that not everybody knows what you know, being able to meet people where they're at. Mm. Um, that's a great, you know, uh, another great element that you, you must have as a leader is it doesn't matter what you know. You mm. know? Mm. All that matters is that you connect with your follower, who you're teaching, mm. and, um, you know, you're getting the best out of them. So I think, um, one, knowing uh, the right way to play the game, uh, and also, you know, you know, characteristics that are contagious that, you know, your, your, your players are going to see because people do what they see, mm. you know, um, and if you can model, you know, energy and, and effort, encouragement, enthusiasm, mm. you know, charisma, if you mm. can sacrifice, if you can be, you know, um, connect with your players you know mm -hmm. um i think those are those are in, in, in very important ingredients to to mm -hmm. leadership being able to connect with people and actually knowing you know what you're leading people in mm -hmm. um so and also just having an eye for i guess um players who are valuable you know your mm -hmm. value system has to be you have to understand like what you need being able mm -hmm. to observe uh, and in recruiting, you know, it's, it's not an easy gig. So mm. you have to be able to kind of acknowledge someone who's a talent and say, you know, does he have the right character that he's going to develop and work mm. hard and be good for the culture? Mm. Um, and also, you know, like I mentioned to you earlier, the three C's, mm. you know, character, competence, and, and culture. And that's mm. how I recruit by. And um, yeah. I think that's very, very important to have that, that type of value system. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I'll throw one more in the mix for you, um, resilience. Uh, mm. I think you need to have a lot of resilience as a player but also um, as a coach. When I look at your career, I, f I see it as one of resilience. That's one thing I admire about you. You've had a number of injuries. Uh, you keep coming back. You know, you've um, jumped around in terms of clubs but it's never stopped, stopped you from pursuing your goal and your purpose, I guess. So how important has that characteristic of resilience been for you in your life and and uh, has it been something that you've been translating to everyday life as well? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think, um, you know, at times throughout my career, I, well, I've always been, you know, the underdog. And hmm. everywhere I go, it seems like even people close to me are saying what I can't do or, hmm. you know, you need a plan B or, um, you know, they try to box you in and, and, and put you under this, this mold and you know you're you're a point guard who shoots too much or you know you're a mm. point guard in a, or a two guard in a one's body or yeah. you know you, you don't shoot the three well enough you don't like there's all the, i hear it all all mm. the time every mm. time i go um to a new level there's new challenges and new doubters you know yeah, and, yeah. Uh, i think it's important to um in life, not just basketball, but in life, be defined by your inner convictions rather than all they, she say, um, because my value doesn't decrease because one person doesn't see my worth. You know, mm. my value is, comes from within. Mm. Uh, and if I'm not convicted in what I'm uh, pursuing, then uh, then sooner or later you're going to lose that zeal. You know, mm. something's going to get you off track. And I think it's important for me, um, since I am an emotional human being, um, <laughs> as we all are, 
Mm. being defined by my convictions rather than my emotions because a lot of times um you know when you have injury Mm. uh you can doubt yourself you can become angry or bitter Mm -hmm. um you can really uh you know lose your sense of um purpose Mm. because something's taken from you Mm. but um you know it's been it's, it's been challenging you know with all the injuries and staying resilient but again, like I said, you know, I think the only thing people can't take from you in life is your convictions. You know, they can, mm. you know, steal the money out of your bank account. <laughs> they can swipe your wallet from your, from your yeah. jeans. They can take your shoes off your feet. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can, you know, take whatever from you, but your convictions mm. are, uh, they're going to last. Mm. And um, that adversity, I think, just re- reveals character and that resilience is something that you build over time and it's painful. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's painful, but um, mm. it's worth it, you know, cause it's, it's refining your character. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, preach it, mate. It's great. What about, um, we mentioned convictions. I know for you, I was going to talk about this a bit later on, but for you, um, unashamedly, um, you know, Christian and I'm very active in your faith in that regard. Um, I had on the podcast a little while ago, Jason Smith, who you may have heard of. I'm not sure yeah. your time any. Yeah. He's a, a uh, good guy, a man of faith himself. But um, I, talk, I talked to him about having that sense of purpose outside of basketball and, uh, and that was so important for him to put life into perspective, I guess, um, uh, when you know, you know hardship came along or injuries hit. Um, how important is it for you to have, first of all, your faith there in, on one hand, but also you know, that greater sense of purpose um, outside of basketball as well? Has that helped when you had injuries and that sort of thing? Oh yeah, no doubt. Like, um, I think that that is something that that word purpose is, um, uh, it really, really is, it's shifting. It will shift an individual's mindset and perspective and heart and, you know, Hmm. just their everyday actions, their thoughts to their words, their actions. And, um, you know, outside of Christ for me, Hmm. um, I failed to find purpose in anything, Mm. you know, and, you know, without God, you know, I think everything is justifiable, Mm. you know, but you put Christ in the picture and now all of a sudden um, you have justice, you have forgiveness, you have, you have purpose, you know, you have a love that's eternal. You have all these characteristics that I think we're so um, we're seeking, you know, and, 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 to, for that peace, you know, you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And even when you're not shooting the ball well, you're not winning games. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, that's been very, very monumental for me personally off the court as well as on the court. Um, you know, not finding my identity and whether the ball goes in the hoop, like I just said, mm. or if I'm getting paid X amount of money or minimum wage or if I'm just a practice player or if I'm a full-time you know contracted player Mm. um it's bigger than me and it's bigger than basketball Mm. so keeping that perspective is uh it's definitely helped me have the right attitude despite i guess maybe being treated unfairly maybe not getting the opportunity to the playing time that i felt like would have helped the team Mm. you know still showing up to work and still knowing i have i'm serving a bigger purpose than jeremy kendall's basketball career Mm. And that really keeps me level, whether times are good or bad, you know, it mm. stays me on track, keeps me mm. on the straight and narrow and 
keeps me true to my convictions. Um, yeah. So, yeah, my faith in Jesus has definitely been foundational on and off the court. Yeah, that was great, mate. We need it, that's for sure, uh, especially at times like we're in at the moment. But um, you mentioned winning games. Even if you don't win games, you've got that sense of purpose. But you have won a few games in your time. Uh, let's put it out there. Um, in particular, when you're at college, you had a great college career. Um, excuse me if I'm saying this right, Ballamine University. Is that right? Yeah, Bellarmine. Bellarmine. Bellarmine yeah. University. So you won the first NCAA Division II championship for the university where you were part of that team. And you're also selected in the NABC All-American team. So no doubt a uh, career highlight for you and a, a great part of your life there. What was that like um, playing college basketball for starters but then uh, winning that championship? Yeah, for starters, playing um, in, in a good university with good leadership um, around good people, you know, that, that right there is the best three or four years of your life. Um, and you, you develop so much on and off the court. Uh, you learn so much. You're a part of something, that, again, it's bigger than yourself, you know, when the culture is strong and it's such a uh, – you have such a winning tradition like Bellarmine does now. That, that was an amazing experience. Um, I, th- I would um, really recommend anybody who watches this podcast to, if they have an opportunity to go play uh, college basketball, Division One, Two, Three, NAIA, whatever it is, um, pursue it. Pursue it. It's, um, it's definitely a special few years of your life. And then winning on top of that. Winning always, <laughs> it always makes yeah. everything better. Um, however, you know, even I say this uh, in all humility and honesty, even if we didn't win a national championship that year, um, it would have meant no different to me. The the culture, the the leadership, the guys that I was able to battle with, um, I still would have developed the same. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, the whole winning thing, that's a byproduct of doing things the right way. Mm. You know, that's a byproduct of working your butt off and having guys who can, who can really rock, but also mm. are willing to sacrifice for one another. Yeah. And um, that, that certainly was the, the theme of the season. And, you know, we broke every huddle saying trust. Mm. Mm. So, um, right. and that wasn't just a word to us. That was a, a, a lifestyle. That was a way of not just, uh, not not just the way we played basketball, but off the court as well. Mm. And, um, you know, that started from the leadership. Uh, Coach Davenport and his staff did a tremendous job um, really uh, instilling confidence in us and, and making sure that they held us accountable to playing the game the right way, mm. playing for each other, you know, playing hard, playing smart, playing together. Mm. And um, we did those three things, and we probably weren't the most talented team. I mean, mm. we're pretty dang talented. We have Braden Hobbs who's playing – you know, Euroleague now in Germany and Chris Dow who's playing and his last contract was in Israel and a few other pros on the team. But, um, you know, we played together and we mm. fought for each other and it was mm. special. And, uh, yeah, I just um, – I would – if anybody has a chance to go to Bellarmine who's watching this podcast, you better do it. <laughs> better do it, that's for sure. Wish I could, mate. I'll be there, <laughs> in, the be there in the heartbeat. But uh... – it goes to show what you said about the three C's, I guess, in terms of culture and competency and what was the other one you said? Character. Character. Um, yeah, you said you had all that as a team and um, you win the championships, so it does go a long way. But um, you also mentioned Europe there. Uh, a few of the 
teammates over there at the moment. You had a crack yourself over in Europe. That was your first uh, contract, I believe, as a professional. My first one was in Morocco. Morocco, yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, my rookie season was in Morocco. Um, I was fortunate enough we won the championship my rookie oh, yeah. season. Uh, yeah. First time in the clubs, I think, in 13 years for the club. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Switzerland um, for yeah. about two months. I played for San Masano. It was in Lugano, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Um, had an injury. The club was losing. Uh, really, to be quite frank, just a bad situation mm-hmm. to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got cut, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Never easy. Uh, you know, again, another situation where I was like, I, I felt like I was playing extremely well. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, one of the most valuable players, if not the most valuable player on the team. Mm. And, um, but we were losing, I got injured mm. and I was out of there before I even knew it. So, um, and then I went back to Morocco for my second season and, uh, mm. played for a team that hadn't been in the first league for a number of years. And we actually had a really good team there too. And, and went and, and lost in the championship, which was like a historic season for that club as well. So yeah. turned out, you know, well, and then I made my way to Australia, to Toowoomba. Yes. 2015. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of my professional career the first, first couple of years, how it started. Before we jump into the Australian slash New Zealand career, one question I forgot to ask you off the top is, for me, like I was at the uh, 2000 Olympic Games and I was watching guys, like I said, Shane Hill, Andrew Gaze, Luke Longley, playing for Australia, and I was 12. And I said in that moment, I want to be a professional basketballer. That's what I want to do for a living. Didn't quite make it. That's okay. I'm not bitter or anything. But um, was there a moment in your life where you thought, yeah, this is what I want to do for a living? Or did it just sort of transpire and come about like that? Um, it's funny. Uh, like, I always thought I was going to be a professional basketball player. Mm. Even from, like, my youth days. Like, man, we must have had <clears> – we had uh, – I had a hoop in the driveway. I had a hoop in the living room. You know, we had just everything. It was just you, you, you lived basketball mm. uh, where I was from, and my friend group was the same. You know, um, and so I always, and as probably maybe naive, you know, obviously as a as a as a kid, you know, yeah. thinking, yeah, I'm going to go play in the NBA and be this superstar basketball player. Um, mm. But it wasn't until I was about 15 years old, to be honest, um, that I was nearly cut from the uh, JV team by the head varsity coach. Mm-hmm. So it goes, it goes, uh, you know, freshman, that's first year in high school, grade nine, mm-hmm. JV, and then varsity is the, the top team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really humili- humiliated by the head coach. I was about five, six, soaking wet. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I still had baby fat. I hadn't even hit puberty yet. I hadn't even matured. Mm. I was a late bloomer, but I was very skilled and I was actually pretty dang good mm. compared to, you know, the players in my age group. But mm. I had a terrible attitude and mm. I thought the world just revolved around me. And I got really humbled there that season. And that was a painful experience um, being told that I'd never play varsity basketball by the head varsity coach in front mm. of not just me and him in a room in front of the entire JV and varsity yeah. team after a game. It was very, very embarrassing, to be honest. And from that moment, I actually, um, it hurt so bad that I think at the time it was probably anger 
mm. and kind of bitterness that fueled. Mm. But I told myself, you know, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do something about this. You know, maybe I had to look in the mirror and say, you know, maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe he's onto something. Maybe I'm not as good as what I think. And mm. I was very fortunate. I worked my butt off that summer. That's mm. kind of when I decided like, Hey, I'm going to do the best I can to go as high as I can in this basketball. Mm. But it also helped that I grew six inches yeah, that, helps. <laughs> that, that summer. <laughs> that uh, sophomore to junior year, I went from like five six, five seven to mm. about six one. Wow! Oh, yeah. And I showed up the next season, you know, and 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 uh, the varsity coach is like, I can't believe I'm saying this, you know, you know, you're wow. taking my height, you know, you're six yeah. one, and uh, I think that was that year. I think something changed within me. Mm. Um, and I realized like, man, I'm going to have to really work hard if I, if I want to be a professional mm. basketball player, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's good, mate. It's good to hear about the, you know, the attitude as well. It's so important for, um, young guys coming through that you need to you know, apply yourself and, um, yeah, build that sense of resilience as well, which, um, evidently you learn. Um, just go to the, let's go to the, uh, your Australian career now. Um, you started Toowoomba, you got a crack. Um, your first gig as a professional player in Australia was with the Brisbane Bullets. Um, what was that like to get the call up, first of all? And, um, and second of all, how was that experience uh, playing with a, in a team that has such great history like the Brisbane Bullets? Um, yeah, I think uh, for me, like, I mean, getting the opportunity to play at the highest level was special because, like I said, I uh, played Division Two basketball. I was always kind of overlooked by the division one programs and mm. um really just rejected in, in a lot of ways mm. and you know coming to australia you know the league the nbl was really on the rise in mm. 2015 it was kind of you know larry was taking over and mm. um started attracting some high quality uh you know imports and mm. and that sort of thing and the Aussies were getting better and, mm. um, you know, the boomers were doing really good in international play. Mm. So just to, uh, be a part of it was special. Mm. Um, again, like I said, like, uh, I'm pretty, uh, um, I guess grateful for the opportunity, but again, I feel like there's a lot of unfinished business for me personally. Mm. Um, and I, and I really feel as if, um, you know, I have a lot to, to prove, but a lot to show. Hmm. So hopefully, uh, you know, this year will be the year that I, I get my opportunity to, to truly show my worth. But yeah, it was, yeah. it was, it was a crazy, crazy, um, story. You know, I bought a one-way ticket hmm. to Brisbane. Wow. My, uh, you know, Christmas day, I left on Christmas day, 2016. Wow. I just won the championship in Bendigo. Hmm. Um, and uh you know most valuable player uh had a great season there and we had a great season as a team hmm. for a few months and um and it was the bullets first season back wow, so right. uh yeah. yeah so you know cameron Bristol towards acl the, the club was was losing some games hmm. um despite starting pretty hmm. good early on hmm. Still there, mate? 
I have to sign my contract. Uh, after I signed my contract, they I actually tore my calf on like the second or third day of training. Oh, yeah. You know, getting off the plane and um, just it was like it was like so hot too when I first got here. I think it was like the the hottest January ever <laughs> history. So it seemed like, anyways. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh it, it was it was like i said it was cool being a part of the league and that sort of mm-hmm. thing but um I, I really i really felt as if i had more to show mm-hmm. um and it wasn't an ideal situation to walk into but uh, i got the opportunity and there was a domino effect from there you know that got me my contract in, in christchurch mm-hmm. playing in uh, mark dickel yeah and then um had a great season there as well and um then things kind of just kept rolling from there but uh you know it's 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 great to be a part of the nbl um because it's really a sought after league right now a lot of americans yeah. are trying to get over here that's for sure absolutely mate. It's, uh, it's booming at the moment it's uh had you heard of it before had you heard of the nbl back home before coming out here or um, no no um i mean obviously if you follow basketball and you know how it all works countries mm-hmm. like the european countries and i knew that australia would have a solid top league mm-hmm. um but i never knew anybody who played in it mm-hmm. i knew some pros that played in the um in the state leagues you know the the Siebel, which now is nbl1 mm-hmm. um obviously uh, play in Europe um, but I hadn't heard a whole lot of but once I got here and um, got a chance to see some of the the facilities and watch the games on TV a little bit mm. I was like okay yeah this is um, you know it's pretty legit and uh, the competition is, is good level of plays is pretty high so mm. well I definitely if I'm going to be here I'm going to want to play in the top league <laughs> you know yeah. So, yeah. 100% mate well you did have another crack at the uh in the NBL after the Bullets um, with the Sydney Kings. Uh, he signed as a replacement for Kevin Leash. And I think that's when I, I met you for the first time when you were down playing for the Kings. You did have a solid time there. You only played a handful of games, but 6.8 points per game, uh, 2.5 rebounds, 2 assists per game. Had some good stats there in the time that you did have. Uh, what was that experience like playing for the Sydney Kings and playing under Andrew Gaze, playing alongside Andrew Bogut at the time? A Bogues wasn't playing that year. No, he wasn't there. No, he wasn't he was there the year after. Right. Um, but, yeah, again, it was just a funky situation because, you know, uh, me as a competitor, you know, I'm trying to show the value I can add to a team. Mm. Now, in saying that, you know, you, you there's certain uh, walls or barriers that you got to kind of – you know, fight through at times because mm. there's this, uh, I guess, stigma on me that I'm just a replacement mm. type of player or I'm just a, a backup point guard mm. or a shooting guard um, type of player for the NBL. And if you look at my numbers and you look at those numbers over 30, 32 minutes per game, like the other imports are playing, those numbers are mm. – comparable to the best players in the league, you know, mm. the Castle Warriors and the Bryce Cottons and all this. Mm. So again, it was another situation like 18, 19 Brisbane bullets where mm. I felt like I was dominating in practice. 
I was playing quality minutes when I got in the game, but you know, mm. I'm not given the responsibility and the freedom mm. to really unleash mm. the way I could have. Mm. Um, and that's just the honest truth, you know? And again, I'm the type of guy that I'm not going to go beg for playing time. Mm. I'm going to earn it. Mm. I, I'm not. And looking back, I probably could have had a meeting with, this staff or that staff and been like, Hey, I just think it's best for the team if I play a bit more. Mm. Um, but that's, that's, you know, <laughs> I'm a division two kid from Southern Indiana, man. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just, I just, you know, it takes a lot of courage to, to, to talk to the, 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 the boomers coach that way or Andrew yeah. Gates. These are, these are mm. the top of the top. That's right. Yeah. Um, in basketball Australia. So yeah. um, maybe mm. I lack the courage. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm just I'm more old school. You know, I just want to mm. earn my keep. You know, I want to yeah. I mm. want to show it by my actions rather than my words and yeah. and hopes and trust. You know, that the leadership delegate responsibility according to what's best for the team. So it was a great experience. You know, I loved the the group that I played with in Sydney. Made mm. some great connections again and. Um, you know, uh, my, it was a great experience. Mm. Um, and again, it was just, it was just a funky situation. I think I only mm. played six, seven games, mm. uh, played well, but the team, we weren't, we weren't winning. Mm. Mm. Um, and I was only playing about, you know, whatever it was, 12 minutes a game or whatever. Mm. So that's, that's a bad combination for somebody who feels like they can give more to the team and they're as competitive as yeah. I am. Yeah. But I learned a lot, and again, my character was refined, and my convictions were shaped and molded, and and actually made stronger through that adversity and not getting what I wanted. You mm. know, I think mm. that um, being able to regulate those emotions and channel them the right way is important in life, and mm. and uh, I think without those 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 opportunities and without that pain, again, mm. I wouldn't be where I'm at today for yeah. sure. Absolutely, mate. So, so encouraging to hear you talk like that. But um, you mentioned Andre Lamanis there. Um, you got the opportunity to play under him. Um, and from what I hear from, you know, you hear interviews and some of the guys speak about the respect they have for him as a coach. What was it like playing under him um, during your time at Brisbane? Yeah, like I said, like the first year, <clears throat> I kind of uh, walked into a um, – uh, a very tough situation because, like I said, um, you know, Cameron Bearsaw just tore his ACL. Mm. And um, it was the first year they were trying to do things with limited resource and staff. You know, mm. they were yeah. a first-year team. So there was a lot of things behind the scenes that probably boiled over um, mm. that affected mm. the playing group and the coaching staff. Um, and, again, like it was just another – I've been home for three, four months – Mm. I wasn't in game shape, you know, I, I wasn't with a club. Mm. Um, and then I got there and I tore my calf, which made mm. things even worse for me personally. And although mm. I played okay, I had a couple of solid games, uh, but it's irrelevant when you're losing, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's relevant to people. You can average uh, the numbers I did. And if we would have been winning, mm. you know, maybe another, contract would have came from that but when you're mm. losing um it just it's different so yeah. yeah i mean it was um again a funky situation i played i think 
20 minutes a game or something. Um, and I was not in great shape. Um, and we were losing, so it was no fun. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, um, you know, they gave me some things, some feedback, the staff did, Dre did on, mm. you know, what I needed to improve on. And I took mm. that, uh, you know, in a constructive way. And I, and I, I worked on those things in New Zealand and, mm. you know, I shot in the 40, uh, 40 plus from three in New Zealand. That's something that they said, look, you need to shoot the three better, mm. um, to add value at this level. You know, I average, you know, uh, you know, my assist to turnover ratio was maybe two and a half to one three to mm. one or something nearly led the league in points and assists. Mm. Um, so I, I, I tried to do my best to do the things that they asked me to do. Mm. Um, and that's out of respect for them and their, their knowledge and, mm. and that sort of thing. So I got, a um, I got a lot from that, you know, I mm. learned a lot from them mm. and, um, you know, as I do, I try to learn and be a sponge, no matter the circumstances, whether it's a great situation to be in or not. Mm. I think, uh, no matter what's happening, you can always, you know, look yourself in the mirror and learn and develop. Absolutely. That's it, mate. There's always situations and circumstances where you can learn from and, and apply that to life. But, um, yeah, you mentioned the New Zealand there. Not many people would know about the league over there and the state of the league. Um, from what I understand, it's a pretty solid league, maybe not to the level of the Australian NBL. But, um, yeah, what's the uh, New Zealand NBL like? And, um, yeah, how does it compare in terms of the leagues you played in? Um, yeah, it's, um, it's solid. Look, it's, um, again, you know, small league and there's only like eight or eight or so teams when I was playing in it. Um, so obviously a bit diff different format than what it is this season. Mm -hmm. Um, cause they did the draft and all that, all that stuff they're playing right now, you know, mm. uh, over, I don't know, like 12 weeks or something, mm. a couple games a week, but, um, the league was solid. It was a short season. Mm. You you attracted some good talent, some quality imports because of how short the season was. And the pay wasn't – obviously, you're not making millions of dollars in New Zealand, mm. but the pay is pretty good for three, four months. Yeah. Um, especially if you're, you know, building your career and you're mm. um, trying to, trying to uh, get your resume. Mm. Um, so – it, I would compare it to probably slightly better than the state leagues here, mm. but still a far, far jump from the NBL, mm. the Australian NBL. Mm. Um, now you have teams, for example, uh, Wellington Saints, the year I played, mm. they went undefeated. They literally had an Australian NBL starting five. Mm. Um, so Wellington normally um, – and Southland, they, they are the big money teams in mm. New Zealand. Mm. So they attract some probably the best New Zealanders as well as a, a two, three quality imports. So mm. those teams can be, you know, really, really solid. Mm. Uh, and in Canterbury, you know, um, we've had some good teams the past few years and Mick's doing a great job there now. Mm. Um, but again, it's, 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 uh, it's a long ways away from the Australian NBL. Mm. Um, but it's still it's a fair quality league, and um, I would I would definitely encourage you know anybody to to go over there and play for sure. Yeah, yes, good league. You mentioned Canterbury Rams as a mate of mine over there, old family friend called Jeremy Kent. You played for him. Did you get to meet Jeremy at all, or did you play with him at all? Um, no, I didn't play with him. No, no, haven't heard of him. Uh uh. Ah, uh, Can Canterbury Rams. What's his last name? 
Kench. Kench, Jeremy. He played for New Zealand All Black, uh, Tall Blacks, so that's all right. Maybe, uh, yeah, I know favorite. I played with him. I might have met him yeah. when I was over there, but that's I didn't right. definitely play. Fan favorite, good guy. Anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> um, from the Brisbane Bullets, you had the chance to play in the three-on-three comp. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, first of all, with the NBL Pro Hustle League, and um, you won the comp from memory um, in, that, in that league. And then from there, you played for the US national team. This is where you did your uh, most recent injury. Is that correct? Um, I didn't play for the U.S. national team. There was talk about how I could qualify for it. Sure. Um, and I was going to actually try to pursue that if it came an opportunity. Mm. But um, I, I tore my knee in Penang, Malaysia, playing for um, the same team that I played with and won the Pro Hustles. With gotcha. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, the Pro Hustles are fun now. Like, <laughs> I grew up – see, I grew up playing – Three on three in the summers, we played street ball at Community mm. Park, you know, Oak Park, all the all the parks in Louisville. Mm. There was always good runs every Saturday, Sunday morning, you know, on the weekends, mm. Sunday evening. Mm. And so for me, it was like kind of tapping back into that, you know, those roots of I was raised playing ball, you know. Mm. It was fast-paced. Um, music playing in the background, yeah. you know, it was real intimate atmosphere. Fans are on top of you. Mm. Um, you know, it's just cool, cool environment. Mm. Uh, and you know, with it being in the Olympics now, I think it, it just makes yeah. it so much more enticing for players to try to, uh, you know, show their worth in it because you mm. can, you have a chance to represent your country, which is always special. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mad love for, you know, three on three hustle. Mm. All those guys that are part of it, um, all my teammates, you know, PC, all mm. those guys. Um, yeah, Peter Crawford. Peach. We're going around. You know, yeah. Uh, Lucas Walker. Mm. Uh, Gibbo played in one of them. Timmy Conrad mm. played with us over in Penang. Yeah. Henry Frawling. You know, all those guys, you know, we had, we had, we had some good teams. And mm. it was definitely uh, a fun weekend. Mm. And we got to, you know, make a little pocket change in the. It's <laughs> always helpful. And, um, <laughs> yeah. So it was good. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, one on one, three on three, five on five. I'm going to back myself. Yeah. Um, but there was definitely uh, a lot of freedom and mm-hmm. uh, a, a chance for me to really be creative and just mm. have fun playing the game, which is what I needed actually at the time, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Chance to enjoy the game once again. Well, mate, you come in, well, not to the end of your career, but hit the old uh, 30 marks. So um, in basketball terms, there's not that many years left in terms of professional basketball. But uh, as you look to the future, um, obviously you said you want to play in the NBL. How do you, what would be the ideal scenario for you um, to finish off your professional career? Ideal scenario. Um, one, for a GM and a coach who believes in me. Yeah. Um and values me and and uh sees my sees my worth. Mm. Uh, and um you know, I think that can be the greatest asset us human beings can um sometime sometimes obtain in life is having people who believe in you. Mm. Especially in this 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 career uh Dan is is short, 
It's like a flash in the pan. Our lives are. So how much quicker and how much shorter is a, is a basketball career, you know? Mm. And you, and you want to have those years where, uh, your leadership is valued and, Mm. you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're significant in the eyes of those around you. So that, that would hands down if, if I don't, um, have an opportunity that I feel is that, Mm. then I'll, I'll retire on the spot. Like Mm. it, it, it won't, it won't be hard. You know, I want, I want someone to believe in me, um, and really back me. Um, so yeah, playing, playing here in the NBL with that. Um, and you know, I believe that with what we know now about sports science and diet and nutrition and, uh, load management and strength training and mobility, like you can play at a really high level until you're 34, 35. Um, and I think that, even despite being post ACL um, mm. surgery, I can do that. So mm. I believe I have, you know, three solid years left in the NBL as an import. Um, I just got to get that opportunity to prove my worth. Mm. Um, so hopefully that happens and I play another two, three years. And, and then I know that after I'm done playing uh, 100%, I'll get full time into running my business or mm. I'll get into coaching. Yeah. Um, and I've been doing both of those now, obviously coaching was my first, this is my first, uh, head coaching job for Southwest. It would have been this mm. season. Um, mm. I did some coaching back at my high school, uh, between contracts early in my mm. professional career. Mm. That was just an assistant and I've been running my business for about a year and a half, two years now. Yeah. So I'll definitely get into training. Play- I, I just love man. Like, mm. I just love it. Like, <laughs> it's good. for me, my, my, it's better, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, it's good. So if my career is done now and I'm, I just start giving back to other players and coaching and teaching and leading them, mm. then I'm, I'm, I'm content with that. Mm. And if that's God's will for my life, then um, I know that uh, it's good, you know, mm. and um, it's mm. not, uh, it's definitely worth it. So, mm. But I am going to try to pursue plan, um, and I'm in I'm in good shape now. I'm working my butt off to you know plow the fields and be ready for mm. when that call comes. And mm. when God brings the rain, you know. And um, see, it. yeah. But I I would definitely get into coaching after I'm done playing. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome, mate. Well, life one hope there's a few more years left for you, and we do see in the NBL. So any owners or coaches listening to this, uh, get on to uh, Jeremy. Is the kind of guy that you want at your organization but just finally you touched on it i just want to talk about um yeah just that business opportunity that you started up um but also how it looks in terms of retirement so there's a lot of players that struggle to um transition into retirement but sounds like you're setting yourself up well for that can you explain a bit about uh, what the business is what it looks like and um yeah um how retirement could look for you apart from what you've just said about coaching yeah, um, so Jeremy Kendall basketball, essentially it's, um, uh, it's just skill development, skill enhancement, mm. um, grassroots on all, all the way up to professionals. Um, I'm just basically pouring out everything I know um, and believe about the right way to play the game mm. uh, to the players that I train. Mm. Um, so I do a lot of, uh, you know, clinics and camps, but also I, I do some – you know, individuals, small groups, I go into schools, um, really anything to do with 
you know, if, if you want to learn some basketball, man, come on, I'll, I'll train <laughs> you, you know, like, uh, yeah. it's not, I won't withhold from anybody, whoever mm. wants to learn, whoever wants to work, mm. I'm willing to get in the trenches with them and, and, and work and, and learn from them as they learn from me. So really, mm. I think that, uh, that element of basketball development here in Australia is lacking a bit. Mm compared to the States. So there's a big void. Mm. So there's, there's opportunity there, you know? Mm. Um, but also again, like I said, I, I just love people. I love basketball, mm. you know? And for me, um, I'm able to connect with people. I'm able to teach basketball through my business. Mm. Um, and I'm really hope I'm, I'm able to mentor, you know, younger players, um, and do things that, you know, people did for me you know, mm. when I was their age, yeah. um, believe in me, you know, give me opportunities, um, you know, mentor me, that sort of thing. And like I said earlier in the, the, the interview, you know, I've had tremendous coaching, mm. tremendous leadership all throughout my career from even a young, young age all the way through. So, um, I understand that success rises and falls on leadership and mm -hmm. I, I want to be able to, help people become successful and do what I'm doing, you know, travel the world to play the game that they love. I think it's a wonderful thing to be able to do that and provide for your family. Mm. You know? And um, so I always want to use the game and never let it use me. And I think mm. that this is just the next step, you know, being able to give back to people. Yeah. Well said, brother. It's great stuff. Next time you're in Sydney, let me know. I'd love to shoot around. Hopefully beat you. You never know. So <laughs> see you awesome, man. Yeah, man. But um, no, we'll leave it there. Really appreciate your time. Been great to hear your story, mate. So thanks for joining us today and uh, all the best for trying to lock down that contract, eh? All right, thanks, brother. I really appreciate you having me on and yeah, I look forward to, to chatting soon. Sounds good, mate. Take care. Yeah, you too, man.